Hey, I'm Michael Wood, lead pastor at First West. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here in just a second, we're gonna dive into God's word and to see what it says about who he is, about who we are, and about the hope that can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that today God's word will encourage you, it'll challenge you, and it'll allow you to see that no matter where we find ourselves, there's always hope because of Jesus Christ. So let's dig in and see what God has for us today in his word. Man, I'm excited to jump back into this Pursue series, but before I tell you where to turn in your Bible, before we get back into it, I want to start off with painting a picture for you, and I want you to think of these last few years. These last few years have been challenging, haven't they been? A few years ago, if you remember, uh, if you remember, surely you remember, we went through a pandemic, right? And uh, for many of us, the first time we faced anything like that and trying to figure out what the right decisions were and what we are to do. And we stayed home for a really long time, and we still have our families, right? And, uh, and we made it through, but uh, man, we, we stayed home, and it was just kind of, it almost feels like a dream, doesn't it? Thinking back on that and, and that season of life, and then uh, we kind of took the next step, and we were on this road to recovery, and how many times did you hear the phrase, the new normal, right? And so we get back to, to life, we're trying to figure out what life looks like now, and so we begin to uh, do different things, and maybe your work habits changed a little bit, family dynamics changed a little bit, and so we're on this path to recovery, and then um, we all know the last several years have been, brought a lot of political strife into our, our country, and we felt the effects of that and the challenges of that. And it leads us to where we're at today, and there's a word I want to say that I think you'll appreciate when I say it, and what, we're gonna, what, what, what I want to paint this picture for you, where we're at today, is this idea of inflation. You heard of it, right? Inflation. So we're going to play a little bit of game, uh, a little game to get started off. We don't do this a lot, but a little game. You're sitting, at, most of you are sitting next to someone. I'm going to give you an item, and I want you to guess the percentage price increase from before the pandemic until now uh, that inflation has taken for that item. Okay. The first item is eggs. How much? What is the percentage price increase for eggs? I heard. Oh my goodness! Right? Yes. I got a family of five. I cooked eggs for dinner the other night as like a part of the dinner, and like I used the whole entire thing, right? They were gone like that. Well, I don't know what your guess was for eggs, but eggs have gone up 59.9% in price, right? 59.9%. The next is butter. What do you think about butter? All right, butter. What is the price increase for butter? Well, the answer is 43.8%, right? 43, you're close, 43.8%. Now, one that affects us all, affected you getting here today for most of us, uh, gas. What about gas? Yep, price increase on that a little bit. The percentage price increase for gas is 41.5%, right? Woo, I know it. Last one, we get to do this all day. What if that was the whole sermon, right? But that's not what we're doing. And so I'd be like, price is right. Um, The last one, lettuce, lettuce. What is the price increase for lettuce? 24.9%. Someone said 24%. And people don't even like lettuce, right? But like somehow the price keeps going up on it. And we can laugh in this moment as we talk about these prices and the percentage increase, but it's very real, isn't it? And we're feeling it in our world today. Each of us in here probably feel it in different ways, but we feel it and it's difficult for us. And the reason it's difficult for us is because for most of us, as people, money brings a certain level of security and safety into our life, doesn't it? 
It brings a trust in our lives, this security that, and I'm not just talking about with inflation, but just in general, that as we are having to do day-to-day activities, as we plan for the future, as we have kids, as we raise families, as we send those families out, as we have retirement, as we think of life, money brings a certain level of security and safety into our life. And that's what we're going to focus on today a little bit. We've been in a series, you see it here, called Pursue. And we've been walking through this pathway of what it looks like to be in all-out pursuit of Jesus Christ. As followers of his, we're not called to a, to a lazy pursuit, a half-hearted pursuit, but we are called to fully devote ourselves to him. In the first week, we looked at, uh, we are to pursue devotion, right? Uh, we have a thing at First West called the seven marks of a mature believer. And the first one of those that, that correlates with pursue devotion is to pursue Christ daily. That our, our, our walk with Jesus isn't just to be in these moments where we gather together, but really these moments are a culmination of our daily pursuit of him as we come together to celebrate that. And so we are to study, we are to give our lives, we are to help people, love people, go on mission, we're to do all those things as we pursue Christ daily. And then last week we talked about this idea of worship, and that worship is more than the three songs that we sing in here, though that is worship, that's a very big part of it, but also worship is a lifestyle. As we view Jesus for who he truly is, we submit our lives to him. And I believe that as we worship and as we pursue Christ daily, it naturally leads us to have a new perspective on life. If we're following him daily, learning more about him, and then we're worshiping him, it leads us to a new perspective and it leads us to a life of true devotion. And as I'm truly devoted and following him, I'm less concerned about security and I'm more concerned about trust, right? That I know he is a trustworthy God and I live my life in this posture of surrender and reverence and everything that I have is yours, God. Every ounce of me, every talent, every time, every resource, it's all submitted to you because of who you are. And so today, the the mark of a mature believer that we're going to look at, this idea we're going to chase after is pursuing generosity, right? Pursuing generosity. Say generosity. 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 Our main idea for the sermon, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, is pursuit of Jesus is expressed in generous giving. Pursuit of Jesus is expressed in generous giving. If you would, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. That's where our main text is going to be at today as we look at this idea of generous giving. Mark chapter 12. And as you turn there, I want to set up a little bit of the context for you. So we're going to zoom into the life of Jesus. You've heard of him, right? Zoom into the life of Jesus. And this account in Mark 12 is actually happening during what we call the Holy Week, okay? And so uh, on the front end of this, what we would call Palm Sunday has happened. He has come in to the city and they, they shouted... Hosanna, and they, they praised him. At the end of this week, he will be crucified. He will be resurrected. So we're in the middle of that week. And we already seen, maybe if you're familiar with it, Jesus went in the, ta- uh, went in the temple, and people had set up tables, and vendors were selling, and people were buying goods in the temple. And he said that that is not the purpose of the temple, right? It's my father's house, a house of prayer. And he began to flip tables, and he began to run the vendors out of the temple. And so he's doing this cleansing of the temple. He's addressing, really, more than that, he's addressing a lot of issues that exist within the temple in this week, right? He's starting to clean some stuff up. And so that's where we find ourselves in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. If you would, st- let's stand in the honor, to honor the reading of God's word. Mark chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 41. We're going to read through 44. If you would follow along with me. It says this. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. 
Then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. For they gave out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, thank you for this time that we have together. You're a good father. You're a present father. You're a gracious father. You are a providing father. And that, God, as we study your word, would it mold us to live how you call us to live, to look more like you? As we look at what it looks like to be generous givers, to live a life of generosity, would we honor you with every resource that we have? God, uh, would your spirit move in our lives as it has, God, your spirit has moved in my life this week as I've studied and prepared for this, would we all be transformed by it? And God, I pray that as we walk out of this room, we would look more like Jesus than when we walked into it. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So you see, Jesus, he's in the temple. I kind of told you that already. And uh, I'm not going to put up a diagram or, or go too deep into this, but you had the temple, and then you had these courtyards around the temple, right? Maybe you've studied that before, these courtyards around the temple. And this one that we see uh, that, that we're, we're in on, that Jesus is in on, is what would be called the court of women, okay? And so Jewish women and men could go into this part. And in this court of women, there was uh, these treasury boxes that would have been there. And most tell us, as you look at scholars, there would have been probably like 13 of them. A few of them would have been uh, just for general tithes and taxes, and then the others would have been for designated giving, right? And so these are there, and as we look at the original word for this idea of treasure boxes, it's translated into blue buckets, right? No, I'm joking. It's not, Um, but you see in the, uh, I got you there, and so you see in this this court of women, in this temple courtyard, there's these treasury boxes, and they were... um, they, they were likely designed like in the shape of a trumpet, right? So these idea, these are sitting there. And we see in Mark 12, 41, it says, Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. So Jesus is sitting there in this courtyard, and he's watching people across the way drop their tithes and their gifts into these treasury boxes. And the way they were constructed, I told you they w- would have looked something like a trumpet probably. The way they were constructed, when you dropped your money into them, Um, it would have made some noise, right? It would have clanged, if you would. And so you're taking your coins and you're dropping them dropping them in, and it would have said clang, clang, clang as they fell in. I remember as a kid, um, I would collect coins, and I was collecting coins to go to Disney World. I thought I could get enough coins to take my whole family of five to Disney World one day, right? And so I have, I think it was like an old peanut jar, but it was like a jar like this big, and anytime I'd find coins, I'd I'd, I'd get them, I'd find them on the ground in the couch cushions in my sister's bedroom. Wherever I could find coins, I would take them, and I would put them in this. And then as my mom uh, we, she would shop at Brookshire's growing up, and so we would go to Brookshire's, and I would take this, this jar with me. And they had a thing, maybe you remember it, I don't know, they may still have it, at Brookshire's called Coinstar, right? And Coinstar was this machine where you could dump your coins into it, and then they would give you cash for it. And, and that was a really cool thing for me as a kid. And so I, took, I would take this jar, and I would go, and I would, like, start dumping it. And you hear it in the whole grocery store, clang, 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 right? And I'm just dumping all of these pennies out in there. And I'm like, man, I'm about to be rich, right? I'm pouring them. And it's like, you got $5.41 or something like that. And so I would take it up and they would give me cash. But you would hear the amount of money that I was dropping into that machine. 
And, and, and I believe this is similar to the scene here as Jesus is watching across the courtyard and these people, he, he describes two different types of people who come up and throw a gift into these treasury boxes. It tells us that many rich people were putting in large sums. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. We see two types of people, many rich people, and we see a poor widow. You see, the widow, she would have naturally been poor. In this day and time, she would have had no way really to provide for herself, to take care of herself. And so she would have naturally been poor. And we see these rich people and this poor widow give two very different amounts of money. As scripture tells us here, we see um, that the rich give large sums of money in this moment. They would have made a lot of clanging, right? Clang, 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 clang. But the poor widow, it says she gave two tiny coins, making almost, she would have made almost no noise as she dropped these coins in. The term here that's used for the currency that this widow gave would have been the least valuable copper coin that they used back in that time. Scholars would estimate, um, with making it a modern-day equivalent, this would have equaled to about 40 cents that she threw in there. And so compared to the gifts of the rich, the large sums of money, her two copper coins would have seemed very, very insignificant as people were watching on. So I ask you a question today. Who gave more? Well, I love Jesus answers that question for us here. And what I love about Jesus as you begin to study him and as you pursue him, Jesus, what he does is he gives us a different way to view the world around us. You see, the world says things mean this, but Jesus says, no, I say it's this, right? There's maybe a term you're familiar with called God's economy. Maybe you've heard of that before. And what our economy is, is how we value things, right? Well, the way we value things, they're, they're valued differently in God's economy. And that's what we see a perfect example of right here, because let's be honest, we can have the same perspective today. If someone comes and they give a large sum of money to something, we say, man, that person sure is generous, right? But if someone comes and gives very little money, we, we may not condemn them, but we, we don't think anything about it, right? We, we, it doesn't make the front page of a paper. We don't celebrate that as much when someone gives that. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's showing us that we're missing the true point, that the disciples were missing the true point, that the people were missing the true point. And he shows us what true generosity looks like. That leads us to our first point today. If you're taking notes, the first point is this. Generosity should not depend on our surplus. Generosity should not depend on our surplus. Say surplus. Surplus. It shouldn't depend on it. How can I say this? Look at verse 43. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. For they gave out of their what? Surplus. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. You see, in this moment, Jesus is really addressing a larger problem that exists within the temple and within this time. And I told you he's already kind of cleared some tables out and run people out who were treating the temple in a way they shouldn't have. But I want you to look at what he says right before this. If you'll just go right back up to the passage of Scripture, right above this to verse 38. If you're in your Bible, verse 38. It tells us something here that Jesus said. It says, He also said in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes, who want greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and say long prayers just for show. These, hear me, will receive harsher judgment. 
You see, these scribes he's talking about right before our passage of Scripture, they, wear, they walk around in these long, elegant robes, and they seek uh, greetings from people. They want to be recognized in the marketplace, and they sit at the best seats of the synagogue, and they sit at the seats of honor at the feasts, and they take from the widows around them, and they say long prayers in public so they look super spiritual. Why do they do this? Why do these scribes, these leaders, why do these scribes do this? It's because Jesus is telling us that they are counterfeit spiritual leaders. They're counterfeit spiritual leaders. You see, we've talked about being devoted to Jesus Christ, to being fully surrendered to him, whatever he's calling us to do, to be fully surrendered to them. But their devotion was not to honor God. Their devotion was to self-promotion. Their devotion was to make a lot of themselves, that people would see me and that, yes, I'm giving a lot or I'm doing a lot or I look the part or I'm praying really loud. And they're more worried about the approval of man than the approval of God. And so Jesus goes right out of that section into this one and he sees the rich dropping their money in the treasury. Now, I I want you to hear what I'm not saying in this moment, right? Is it wrong that the rich gave lots of money? It is not wrong. He is not calling that act sinful. What they do, he really doesn't make a strong condemnation here of the rich people either. But he's drawing a comparison between the two. He's making a point to say this. Don't be fooled by outward appearance. in, In God's economy, what people can see may be different than what's on the inside. Don't just be impressed with the large amounts of money the rich give, all the clanging you hear, and dismiss the small amount that the widow gives. See, what Jesus is doing It's helping the disciples, and I believe us today, see things, see the world as God sees it. This is what begins to happen to us as we pursue Jesus and worship him. The way we view the entire world, the way that we view our resources, the way that we view our lives in general, they begin to change. And look at what he said. He said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Now, if we're looking at the outside, the way the world views it, Jesus isn't telling the truth here. That the widow didn't put in more coins than the others, but Jesus shows them a different way. Jesus takes the focus off the amount that was given. Hear me. Jesus takes the focus off the amount that was given, and instead he focuses on the amount that was left over. He doesn't focus on the amount of clanging that was happening. He focuses on the amount that is still left in the pocketbook. Because they gave out of their surplus. Hear me, the rich are still rich, but the widow went from poor to poorer. We often, the way we do this in our lives is we often like to judge our obedience by how much we give, right? And uh, we may judge, hey, last month I gave this much money. Maybe that's a thing we do. But also we judge our obedience by, man, last month here's how much, or last week here's how much I served. We judge our obedience by, here's how much I spent in my Bible. And it's all about, here's how much I gave. Here's how much I did. And instead, Jesus here is telling us we should not only focus on what we give, but what are we holding back from him? What's left? What, what am I holding on to in surplus? Are you more concerned about your false sense of security or about faithfulness to Jesus Christ? That's what we see here. Jesus draws this truth with money, and so I think it's so important for us today to draw this truth with money as well. I know sometimes we don't like to have these conversations in church, but man, when I think of life and we're called as followers of Jesus to be completely surrendered to him, there's very few things we talk about in life more than money. There's very few things we plan with more than money. We spend a lot of time focusing on this in life, but then sometimes we have trouble talking about it in terms of our Christian walk. But this is true because, man, we need to remember, as I said before, money... 
We focus on it so much and we make these plans with it because money brings a certain level of security and safety into my life. We think it does at least. We think it brings this security and this comfort. And for many of us, we, we make plans. Hear, hear me, I'm not calling you to be foolish with money and not to make plans. But we make plans of what to do with our money and that brings us security. My retirement, my, my kids' college, my, the cars I need to buy for my family. And, and, and then once we figure out how to pay the bills and how to take care of the kids and how to save up for college and how to save up for our retirement and how to go on the vacation and how we do all of these things, then we say, okay, now how can I be generous with my money? I've done all the things I want to do, and I, I think I should do with my money. Now, how can I be generous with what I have left over? Once I got it all settled and figured out, now I can give to God. Now I can tithe and give to the church if there's some left over. Now I can see a person who's struggling and give them a little bit something because I got all the things I need taken care of, and so I'm good. Believer, hear me. When we do what we want with our resources, and then we give God the leftovers. That's not called faith at all. That is not faith at all. That, that is trusting in our own power, our own wisdom, our own ability. Giving and generosity is not from surplus. It is from faith. It is giving sacrificially. It is giving joyfully. So how do we show this faith-driven generosity and giving? How do we do that? That leads us to our second point today. Our second point is this. Generosity is demonstrated in our sacrifice. Generosity is demonstrated in our sacrifice. Say sacrifice. We see this true here back at 44. It says, For they all gave out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This widow, she didn't have surplus. She didn't have extra. As I said earlier, she went from poor to poorer. She went from little to nothing. She gave all she had to live on and left herself completely to rely on the Lord and the Lord alone. It was an extremely generous gift she had dropping those two small coins in the treasury. It demonstrated that God was her hope, that God was her trust, that God was her treasure, that God was her security. She was rich in faith, not finances. She, she believed that God would do, that God would meet the needs that she had as God saw fit. Not as she saw fit, but as God saw fit. Let, let me help with an illustration. I heard a story this week by a pastor, and he said this. He was trying to teach his young daughter this idea of giving and why we give and uh, why we give money and, and all that kind of stuff. And so one day, uh, one day that week, they were sitting in church, and the offering plate gets passed around. Y'all remember those days, the offering plate would come around, and the offering plate comes by them, and... Um, and the dad reaches in, gets his wallet out, pulls money out, and puts it in the offering plate, and then hands the plate to his daughter. And his daughter, she's young, she grabs her little bitty play purse, and she reaches in there, and she grabs all the money that she has in her play purse. And she, she goes to put in the offering plate, and, and the, the dad says, oh, hold up, you don't, you don't have to give everything that you have. And she says, oh, I don't need money. I got a daddy. <laughs> right? I got a daddy. And if you're in here and you have a daughter and you're a dad, you understand that completely, Right? But would this be the posture of our hearts? That we would be willing to reach into our purse and put everything on the line because, hey, I don't need this money because I have a daddy and he's going to take care of me. I have a father in heaven. This is what our relationship with giving should be. We demonstrate our generosity through our sacrifice. And so how was the widow able to do this? How was the widow able to take, I mean, I'm sure I just can imagine this is just Evan picture in this day. And I'm sure she's sitting at home and she has these last two coins. 
She has to figure out what she's going to do with them. And she decides to walk down to the temple and give like she's commanded to give, like she is called to give. How is she able to do this? It's only by faith and trust in God alone. How, how can I say that? Because this woman, she shows a great amount of trust in not only God, but her fellow Israelites. Because remember, this is, Jesus has not died. Jesus has not been resurrected. So they are under the old law, under the old covenant, right? And so she was commanded to do this. But the Israelites were also commanded to take care of widows, right? It was their obligation to care for widows. So she believed God enough not to hold on to her two coins, but to say, I'm doing what you've told me to do in belief that you will then provide my needs. Maybe not how I want them, but God, you've promised me you're going to take care of my needs. She was trusting in the promise of God. And though we don't live under the old covenant, we are under the new covenant, we have the same promise available to us today as believers. We see it. It won't be on the screens. You can just follow along. Just listen as I read it in Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. Hear this. Man, absorb this today. So don't worry. We need to hear that more often in the world we live in today. Anxiety and worry are at an all-time high. So don't worry. Saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. This is this idea of pursue, that as I pursue him, as I seek him first, with all that I have in his righteousness, everything I need will be provided to me. Now, we struggle with this idea because the way God sees our needs may not be the same way that we see our needs, right? And we think we have certain needs in our life that I need to keep my money for. But God is saying, man, trust him with everything. Now, hear me, what I'm not advocating for today is that you go and empty your bank account and just give it all away. We need to be good stewards of our money. But it's not a wallet issue, it's a heart issue at the end of the day, right? She trusted the promise that I could give my all and that God would take care of me. And we have the same promise. So do you trust it? Do you trust today that you could give your all and that God would take care of you? The rich men, they gave in their abundance. But the widow, she gave her all. She, she is signaling that everything I have belongs to the Lord. Now I want to hit pause for a minute and go to these rich men. What I, what I want you to hear is that, that, that even people who don't follow Jesus, they can be generous, can't they? That's not exclusive to people that follow Jesus. Hear, hear what I'm saying. This week I saw a news story, a tragic news story. Of, uh, has anyone heard of Luka Doncic? He's a basketball player for the Dallas Mavericks. He's from Slovenia. I don't know if many of you have traveled there before, but he's from Slovenia. And this week in Slovenia there was a tragic um, incident that happened, and uh, eight people lost their lives, some of them including children. And this is Luka Doncic's his, his homeland. And so he reached out to the officials there and said, hey, um, I would like to, and he's an NBA player, has lots of money. I would like to pay for the funerals of all the victims, and I would like to pray for any counseling needs that all, the families may have because of this tragic event that has happened. That's generous, isn't it? It's generous that Luka Doncic would reach out and would pay for this. I don't know Luka's heart at all. I don't know if he loves the Lord at all. But he's still generous in what he did. But what I promise I know about Luka Doncic is he can pay for all that, and he's still got a bunch of money left over, doesn't he? And so what he feels, it really is not that big a sacrifice to him, is it? It means a lot to them, and it's a generous gift, but it doesn't cost him a whole lot to do that. still generous, but he still has a lot left over. This widow, she, on the other hand, was willing to give everything 
And it cost her a lot, but that's how much she trusted the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be provided. Pursue, run after him, surrender, trust, submit your life. And as you do that, your mindset changes on your resources in your life. Giving and generosity is a matter of the heart, not the wallet. Become a generous giver because of a matter of the heart. Our heart, when it fully belongs to him and trusts him, leads us to live generous lives. Our priority shifts from our perceived security to furthering the kingdom of God. And that leads us to our last point. Point number three today is generosity connects me to what God is doing in the world. Generosity connects me to what God is doing in the world. See, this widow, she was generous with all she had because she knew that God could do more with her two little coins than she could ever do with it herself. She believed that I can give this to you, God, and you can use this in ways greater than I could ever imagine or I could ever accomplish. So what does generosity, this kind of sacrificial generosity, what does that look like in action? For us today, living in 2023, what does this generosity look like in action? I think we see a beautiful picture of it in 2 Corinthians. If you would, go ahead and turn your Bible. You can turn your Bibles there over to 2 Corinthians. We'll be finishing up here in one moment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we see a beautiful picture of what this is. Now, Paul is writing the church in Corinth. You should know a lot about the church in Corinth. We just spent 14 years walking through a sermon series in 1 Corinthians, right? And so we learned a lot about the church in Corinth in that time. And so um, he is writing this same group of people now. And we see something beautiful in this letter in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The first few verses I read won't be on the screen, but the last one will. It says this, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their parts. Say generosity. Generosity. So the math in this equation here in this verse is not mathing, if you would, right? It's not making sense. During a severe trial... Brought about by affliction, extreme poverty, those words would not lend us to be very generous people, would they? Those words, in fact, think of inflation, think of whatever time we want to think of, causes us to restrict because money brings security, perceived security in our life. And so I do what I want. But instead, severe trial, affliction, extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Man, look at that example. Keep going to verse 3. Says, I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints and not just as we had hoped. Listen today, it is possible to give generously, but not enthusiastically, right? It is possible to give generously, but not joyfully. But what we see from this church here is they gave joyfully. This church needed no guilt trip. They needed no special sermon series. They needed no reminding. They simply gave with joy. And look back up at four. They begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry. When was the last time you heard someone beg in church for offering time, (laughs) right? Lord, just let it come quickly. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it to be there. But as I read that and studied that this week, I began to appreciate that because I never perceived it like that before. But as I thought about it, as I come and I'm, I'm expectantly ready to worship him, and I'm ready for a pastor to open the word of God to teach him. One of the first moments of application that we get out of that teaching and out of that worship and out of recognizing who God is, is then we have an opportunity to give to the work of the ministry. 
right? And I should be excited to say, God, it's yours. God, what you've laid on my heart, I'm giving out a sacrifice, not a surplus. I'm not making sure everything else is lined up just right and tidy how I want it. God, I'm giving sacrificially to you because I know when I give to you, I'm joining in the work that you're doing. Why and how is this possible? Why can I give like this? Why can I give joyfully, not just out of obligation or not begrudgingly? Why can I give joyfully and enthusiastically? We see it in verses 8 and 9. And man, I'm going to get fired up. All right, here we go. 8 and 9. I'm not saying this as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Amen? And so what we see here is this picture of the reason we can give joyfully. The reason we can sacrifice is because we're following the example of Jesus. Jesus was wrapped in glory. Jesus was king of all kings. He, he, he was on his throne, and what he did was he gave that up. He shed his glory to wrap on humanity so that you and I may have the opportunity to leave our poverty being poor in spirit and experience the riches of his kingdom, to have communion with God again. And so why should I hold back in my giving when Jesus set the example for me to be an enthusiastic and joyful and a generous giver? That's who I'm called to be. We give generously because Jesus did. If we give ourselves to God, listen, so many Christians, we say this, we say, yeah, I fully give myself to God, and then we hold on this area of money. <laughs> if we really believe it, that we have fully given ourselves to God, that means every area of our life, every single one of them. And if you're in here today, and please know that this text ministered to my heart as well as it is yours in this moment. If you're in here today and you say, Jesus, I want, I want to pursue you, I want you to have every area of my life, but yet you're holding on over here, that reveals an idol in our life. That reveals an area where we have not yet surrendered to him. That's what the word of God does. It shows us this. And so today as we evaluate our relationship with our resources and money, man, are we fully surrendered? First, as Jesus gave generously to us, we give generously to the work of the Lord for others. We see these teenagers, these students who are graduating high school. So many of them, I had the opportunity to serve here as student pastor. I got to see them grow in their walk with the Lord. And that was possible because of the faithful giving of the saints who come together to give. I see people going on mission. I see people getting saved. I, I see us working together for the sake of the Lord. And when I'm gracious in my giving, I join in on what the Lord is doing in the world. Today, believer, the call for you is to be a generous giver a joyful giver in all areas, and that includes your money. I know it can be hard. It's difficult. We live in uncertain times. But, man, we have to surrender all to him. Again, what I'm not telling you here is I'm not telling you go and drain your bank account and just drop it in the blue bucket and I trust God with the rest. But we should be willing to. We should be willing to have so much trust in him that if that's what he calls us to do, we should do it. We have to live open-handed, we have to live that this is not mine. You've graciously given this to me, and so I'm going to help this person. I'm going to give to this. I'm going to join in with the church and giving for the work of the ministry. Is your perceived security in your money, or is it in God? Is your sense of safety in God, or is it in your money? Lots of different people are here in this room right now, and I acknowledge that. I realize I don't know your life. I don't know what you've walked through for many of you. 
There's lots of different people in this room. And for some people in this room, there's a category that, um, man, it's been difficult. You've been in hardship with money. Maybe you barely even made it to church this morning. You don't have any money in your bank account. You don't know what this week's hold. You don't know how dinner's going to happen. Money has been a struggle for you in your life. There's other people in this room that you, you have money, but you also live with some uncertainty. If a big expense comes, you don't know how you would pay that. You have enough to make it through. You're kind of week to week, but you, God has blessed you with money, maybe a little bit of savings, but there's uncertainty if something big were to happen in your life. And there's some people in the room that God has blessed you with a lot of money, and praise God for that. And he has blessed you with, um, with, with not having to want for anything. And, and you can never, uh, you, 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 you're safe and secure. You feel like in what you have. And I realize there's different people in this room, but what I want to help us see today is for each group of these people, as we deal with this idea of giving generously, there's a, a lie that the world will tell us, that our flesh will even tell us, of how we handle and how we deal with the money that we have. You see, for those in hardship, there tends to be a thought process that says, man, if I can just get enough money, it would save me, right? I'm in this difficult situation in life, and if I, can get in an, if I could just get enough money, it would save me from all these struggles I'm dealing with. It would save me from the hardships I faith, face. And I want to tell you today, as we see here, that the truth is that only God can save you. Money can never save you. For the people here who have some money, but they live in uncertainty, the lie the world tells you and your flesh tells you is that, man, if I could just have more money, it would bring certainty in my life. And if I face this scenario, if I got laid off, if a sickness happened, a tire went flat, whatever, then I would be fine. That money would bring certainty and safety into my life. Let me tell you that today the truth is that only God is certain. Money never is. And for the ones who are here that are stable in comfort and have comfort in life, there's a lie that the world and our flesh tells us that this is all mine. I've worked hard for it. I've earned it. I've worked long hours. This is all mine. But the truth here is that everything we have is God's. Everything. So no matter where we're at on this, the, the, the spectrum here, money is never what should bring safety and security in our lives. But we should live sacrificially. We should live generously. And as I see where, wherever I am, whether I have the widow's might or I'm the rich person with large sums of money, there's an opportunity to invest in kingdom work. And there's an opportunity to help those who are struggling around me that I would give generously. Believe your, the call on your life, hear me, as you're called to pursue him daily, as you're called to worship him, you're called to be a generous giver. You're called to be a radical giver. You're called to be a joyful giver. You're called to be a sacrificial giver because I realize not only my life is yours, but everything you give me is yours, God. I'm open-handed. It's all yours. Would you put it to use? Is that the posture of your life today, believer? Or have you just been going through the motions and giving when you have some or just you're on a routine? But are you generous? Are you willing to give it all as he calls you to? If you're in the room today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, this makes no sense. <laughs> if, if, if you haven't submitted your life to, to Jesus, I, I want to challenge you today what what I want you to hear from me is not that I want you to drop more money in a bucket or that I want you to figure out how you can give money away to people. The greatest thing you can do is to surrender your life to the one who gave his life for you. All the rest of this follows in line with that, but it starts there. And so non-believer, if you're in here today, again, I'm not asking for behavior modification. What I'm asking 
that you would consider to give your life to the one who loved you so much that he left glory to put on humanity and die for your sins. If that's you, I'd love to talk to you about that today, of how you can do that. I want to pray for us as we hear the word of God. I believe we all need to respond to it and let it work in our lives. However it is, we're all different people in here, but that it would work in our lives. That it would honor him in this area of being generous givers. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, um, God, thank you for your son coming to live the life we couldn't to die on a cross so that we could leave our poverty have the opportunity to experience great communion with you. God, I want to ask for forgiveness where I haven't uh, been a good steward in this area for where um, I viewed money as my own, where I viewed it as a sense of security and trying to figure out all I want to do with it. God, would I always be open to how you lead? Would I be a generous giver? Would my yes be on the table, not just with my life, but with my finances? God, as your spirit leads me and I see someone who needs help, that I would step in and help them that I would give faithfully and generously to the work of the church. God, lives are being changed. The gospel is being advanced because of it. God, will we be generous people in the way we give our resources, but the way we also just give our lives away to people? That we would view everything we have, we would view our talents, we would view our abilities, we view our resources, we view our money, we view our families, we view our homes, we view our cars, we view our jobs, we view everything that we have as a gift from you, and we would leverage it to advance the gospel. We would be faithful to what you've called us to do. God, thank you for helping us see ways, uh, the world the way you see it. God, let us live how you've called us to live. Let us be generous and joyful givers. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we hope, again, that you were uh, encouraged by what God had to say for you and for your life. I just want to extend an invitation for you today. Maybe today you realize that you need Jesus in your life. Maybe today you just need to take that next step in your spiritual walk, or maybe you've got a spiritual need. And I want you to know that we would love to come alongside you and serve you any way that we can. Feel free to reach out to us at firstwest.cc, or you can call the church, 318 322 5104. And we would love to help you and what God is doing in your life. Have a great day.